Travis Johnson runs a company called Warrior's Wallet. He's helped over 450 people pay off mountains of debt. But when you move 36 times before you graduate from high school, you learn things. You learn a lot of things about yourself and life. Pay attention. Travis Johnson from Warrior's Wallet, today on Knucklehead. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, you got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen, and I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about our next guest. Uh, the reason why I'm excited is is you know for the longest time I, I thought that I moved the most out of everybody that I knew uh, <laughs> before it got to a point where I was actually responsible for paying my own rent and uh, that type of thing, which happened relatively early in my lifetime, but. Um, Travis put me to shame. So I'm excited that Travis Johnson is with us. If for none other reason to make me, uh, make me realize how insignificant my moves and my story is, uh, compared to what he ever came. So Travis, welcome to the show, bud. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm just glad that my story is way worse than yours. (laughs) I can lift you up today and just put you on that next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we, if if we could all just uh, center around what Travis just said and just hone on that. I'm just kidding. Um, No, I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the, um, the humble beginnings. And I think that that's, I think it's a good place to start. When I say humble beginnings, I'm not just talking about Travis's story. I'm talking about your story. Those of you who are the listening, who are, who are taking the time uh, out of your busy life, everybody's busy, but they're taking the time to recognize that um, what they've been told in the past about how perfect they needed to be and, or uh, the, the story of, uh, of, of school to be framed 12 years worth of perfect education. You mess up, you get your points taken away. You, you know, you never make a mistake. You're always essentially being set up to not be part of the system. It's, it's kind of interesting how this whole uh, societal structure is, is put into place, but we're here to talk about the fact that you can accomplish an incredible amount with your lifetime in spite of your non-traditional path that you've taken. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole point of knucklehead was really just as an encouragement to start people or to help people understand that they can screw up. They can, they can have a bankruptcy or bankruptcy. They can have a divorce. They can have a failed business. They can have a, uh, a loss of a job, a loved one of mm-hmm. some type of struggle. And that will be the difference between you deciding to take ownership of what happens mm-hmm. as a result of that, or you just slide back downhill and you end up miring in the muck and just end up going by the wayside, but you still have an opportunity and that's still your choice. So that's why we have Travis on the show. Travis, I'm, I'm fired up for, for the folks to hear a little bit about your story, a little bit about uh, what you've been able to do. But tell people, tell people a little bit about how you grew up and, and where you came from and a little bit about you. Uh, so the beginning of the story, you know, kind of on repeat, I tell the story a lot. But, yeah. uh, you know, I moved 36 times before graduating high school. I'm on move number 48 right now soon to be 49 for other reasons, but uh, 36 moves before graduating high school. That's 12 different schools. That's five different foster homes. That is just, it's not what you call a routine life, right? And I didn't realize this growing up because that's all I knew. I was moving sometimes two, three, four times in a year. I was just about ready to say that. You do the math on that. That's... (laughs) Yeah, depending why, on the year. Why did that happen? What, uh, uh, so my mother has has bipolar disorder, 
Okay. And, you know, long and short of it is every time that she would need, you know, mental health care, uh, and back, back in the eighties, they still had, you know, asylums, they still had state run hospitals where you could go and their primary purpose was to help you get that mental health care you needed. Uh, so she would go, you know, self check in, go take care of business. And then you know, my sister and I would have to go live somewhere else, either with a family member in a foster home, what have you. You know, she would get some treatment, and then she would get out, and then we would move somewhere else. Can I ask so, you? A, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I don't mean to. I don't mean to jump in as you're saying that, but one thing that comes to mind is, as a kid, uh, you, part of being a kid is you have the ability to connect with other kids, and you have some enjoyment and, and love in your life, and you have a little bit of kind of joyful connections. Um, at what point did you realize that that wasn't your childhood, or? Am I off base and assuming that it wasn't? Well, so like I found out I was different, like in the fourth grade, because I started talking, you know, I asked other kids how many times they had moved. And they're like, what are you talking about? I've, I've never moved. And I was like, well, have you moved? Have you moved? And I went around the room and like, yeah, we got this one other new kid like two years ago, but like the class has been the same. And I would tell kids at that age how many times they move and they were just completely shocked. They were like, you know, that doesn't make any sense to them. Why, why would you do that? And, you know, obviously we have my reasons, but, um, you know, it was like third, fourth grade that I figured out that, you know, it wasn't a normal thing. Um, looking back on it now, looking back at it now, understanding kind of what, cause you're married now, you have kids, you have yeah, a family. Married, two kids. Yeah. Um, looking back on it now, what, if there was something that you could change, about, uh, you know, just about your, pers- your perspective or your experience, um, you know, outside of the obvious of potentially not moving, what would you change? You know, I'd probably try to, if I could do anything, um, I'd, I'd do two things. I'd have a little bit better attitude about it and then just know that it was out of my control which while you're in it, I mean, that's, that's nearly impossible, right? Yeah, you're going sure. through the thing and you can't understand. It's awful. You don't understand why. And you know, just want your mom or whatever it is. Yeah. And you, you can't have it. Yeah. That, you're exactly right. So it changes you. And then uh, the second thing. Um, so a little bit more on the story, I, you know, tested for IQ when I was young and it allowed me to join school, you know, kindergarten when I was four which means I was younger than everybody. Hey, buddy. Uh, younger than everybody, which meant I was smaller than everybody and you know all this stuff all the way through. And what that looked like, especially always being the new kid and being the small kid, is you, know, you get picked on and teased or whatever, but I always took it real personally because um, I, didn't, I didn't have any kind of foundation. I didn't have any kind of structure in my life. And I didn't know that, you know, when someone says something to you like that, that especially when they don't know you, then they have no basis to say those things. Yeah, so it's that's, just nonsense. That's what I was about ready to ask you. Like when it comes to your, when it comes to your reaction to other kids, not just reaction to, I mean, the social mm-hmm. pressure that you feel to answer the question of why did you move so much, right? To have a, a mom, you know, um, with that, with those types of issues, um, kind of setting the foundation for how you interact with folks. Uh, how many times did you have to go through the process of, oh wow, I, this is this is this this is either 
something that I'm going to blame and be a victim about, or I'm going to type, I'm going to decide to, uh, to look at it a little bit differently. Well, well, answering that question, I mean, you know, why did you move so much for a long time? I really didn't know why I moved so much. You know, you get the, you know, Hey, you're going to go, you know, stay with grandma, you know, grab your backpack and you go to grandma's house. Like you're going to hang out. And then you realize you've been there for a few months or a year or longer. And it doesn't really connect why. And you ask, you know, where's mom or she's getting help or whatever. And it doesn't really connect what's actually happening. Right. Because when you have that experience, it's the only, only experience you have. And there's nothing else out there that shows you what that's like. You know, in the eighties, you know, sitcoms, I wasn't watching sitcoms. I was, you know, under 10. So you see cartoons, so you don't have any kind of uh, any kind of other story to relate to. So you don't really even know what's going on. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, when I finally started figuring out what was going on, um, like most guys, not all guys, but most guys, what are we? We're fixers. So we want to fix the thing. Or, you know, you want to wonder, like, why can't you just make a better choice? Why doesn't this just line up? You know, why would you do this? I don't understand this. And you get to this place where you don't understand. And um, that's probably the worst place to be in because you don't understand. And then you don't have the tools. You don't have the emotional IQ. You don't know how to handle those things. You don't even know what it is that you're feeling. You just know that you don't understand what's going on and it bothers you. Um, you know, I went from pretty, you know, pretty happy go lucky kid and the start, the stuff started affecting me. There was a couple of years, uh, kindergarten, uh, kindergarten, second grade, fourth grade, and seventh grade. I was in three different schools during those school years. Hmm. Wow. So during the school years, that's, that's, I mean, it's not, it's not that it's, it's not that it's crazy. Uh, what's crazy is to think about how you can describe that and, um, and how that's normal, right? That, that was just what you went through. That was your, that was what your normal was. Just like it was for those kids that didn't move. That was your moving, right? You just, what you did. However, a lot of people don't connect with the fact that that sets in motion this series of, of, uh, of stressors, specifically on kids that will stunt growth for adults as they get older. And, yeah. uh, you know, what you're doing now for work or what you're doing in conjunction with your career in the military, um, debt and disorder and, you know, bad decisions, um, those things can haunt folks. I mean, literally it becomes like this trap where they, people get choked out and they they can't mm-hmm. function in creativity and they, they're essentially just mired in their past over and over again, having to fight through this month in and month out. Um, so talk to people a little bit about how you help folks at least delineate between the choice that they have or the choice that you had where you made lemonade out of lemons or applesauce out of apples. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of Zig Ziglar lately. He's got this nice little story that kind of, kind of helps you understand, you know, there's these, these twin brothers and uh, they had very different lives and their dad was an alcoholic and they went to the one brother and they asked, you know, what's going on? Tell me about, about your life. What's happening. And he goes, you see, my dad was an alcoholic. So I'm an alcoholic. You see, I had no choice. And they interviewed the other brother who's very successful. He's a CEO. He's taking charge of his life. 
And they say, how did you get here? And he said, you see, my father was an alcoholic. I had no choice. And that, <laughs> if, if, you, if you didn't hear that, you know, rewind, go back in time and listen to that last couple of statements. You know, one son saw the example and he didn't see any other way to do it. He had to follow the example that was laid out before him and there was nothing else in his scope that he could even choose. And the other son saw how terrible it was and how, you know, every decision that was made along the way was just not the way he was going to do it when he had the power, the ability to make those decisions for his life. He was like, I saw, you know, my dad do this and I'm not going to do it that way. Wow. Some incredible stories here. Uh, Travis is, is really diving into uh, some very, very uh, hard things to discuss, hard things to listen to, but uh, just a quick break here from one of our sponsors, and uh, we'll get back to Travis Johnson. Hey, it's Chris Hoffman, CEO and founder of Vet Training Coaching and host of the Ambitious Vet Podcast. You're listening to the Knucklehead Podcast with Stephen Cullen. Let's go out and make those mistakes and get better one at a time. Let's get it. The power of choice. Yeah. Uh, it, is a, it is a very powerful thing. Um, it's interesting how you can always have a choice. So the role of a victim, because we've, well, I know I've been there. I, I've mm-hmm. been inside the mind of a victim. I've, I've, I've understood that um, everything is somebody else's fault. It's, I got mm-hmm. a bad break. I, you don't understand my situation. You, that's, you're always in this kind of justification defense uh, cycle. And it's, and it literally is kind of like you're in a, uh, you know, you're from the country, so you understand, like you get your, your, your tire literally stuck in a rut. You, you have no choice, like you're stuck, like you don't, until you stop and decide to turn your will and change your direction and where your energy is coming from, you're stuck and you don't have a way to get out at all. Yeah. So help, people, understand help people understand. Cause you've, okay. So you've helped how many people, how many, you told me a stat and I, I remember 6 million that keeps on coming to mind, but I'm like, there's no way you've helped 6 million people. So help me. <laughs> I haven't helped 6 million people. Okay. Now, I only know 5 million people. So I haven't even met the other million yet. Got it. Um, well played. Uh, <laughs> I started to uh, get into financial planning, which is a long story. And I started helping these people uh, you know, pay off their debt and, and find a strategy to figure out how to do it. And, uh, you know, over the past 10, I think we're now 11 years, those families combined have paid off $6 million in debt. Uh, and, you know, they had the power to choose to do that, to do something different, to, to tweak what they were doing. And most of it isn't big, drastic changes. And some of the clients are, they, hey, you were like, you got to stop doing this. This is hurting you or whatever. But most people, it's just a little bit change and a little, it's a little, it's a little perspective shift. Well, you gave, you gave a very specific example not too long ago, whenever you and I had talked last about somebody who just, they didn't think that they could pay their, like, and we're not talking about, you know, white collar job. I think the story you told me was somebody who, um, you know, you, that we probably uh, tipped tonight at the, at the place where we had uh, dinner, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was somebody similar to that. And, uh, and in that situation, you're not talking about a, a surplus of income, but you gave them a surplus of perspective 
And that was what was stuck with me. I, I, I was, I've talked to people like that before where they're up to their eyeballs um, in bad decisions in the past. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just lack the perspective. And it's almost as if the hope that comes in doesn't really produce the result they're looking for because the hope that somebody else provides, it's really short term. You're, you're kind of a slave to your habits at that point in time. And so right. you, you can't go back and, and change that at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm curious about. Like how, how can you truly help somebody who, who is stuck like that in the past, especially if they don't have a surplus of, uh, of income coming in? Well, one of the big things that I talk about with my clients is I try to get them to understand exactly where they are in the financial world, because you've got people out there worth billions of dollars, you know, and you're making less than 40, less than 30. And you look at that gap and that that disparity and you're like, how can I possibly get that far? Or if they're that far, I must be so far behind that I can't possibly you know, do what these people are doing. And if you look at it from a global perspective and you want to know uh, something like, well, how much do you have to earn to be in the top 1% of earners on the planet? And keep in mind, most people in the world make a dollar or two a day. Extreme, extreme poverty, not, not, you know, we have, we have a poverty in America, but it's a different kind of poverty, right? So you only have to make $32,900 a year to be in the top 1% of earners on the planet. So by many measures, you know, most of my clients, vast majority are quote unquote rich, right? Top one percenters. Uh, the other frame is how do you define broke? And I define broke with these same people as if you don't get paid for two months and you can't afford your bills, you're broke. So we have a lot of people in America that are simultaneously rich and broke, and they don't know they're either. So they don't know how to act. They don't know how to behave. They don't know what they need to do or why it matters. You know, bare bones thing, a little concept we call saving. Why do we save money? is to spend it on something in the future. It could be, I'm going to spend this on an emergency. So you create an emergency fund, X amount of dollars for whatever reason, or I'm going to save for a vacation or a new TV or a new car or an investment or to buy a rental property or all these other things. Yeah. But if you don't know why to save or how much to save or where you're at in the game, this might not be something you've ever considered. You know, the failure to categorize or prioritize the mm -hmm. flow of money is what I'm hearing is the majority of the issue. And the and the reason why there's a failure to prioritize is because there's a failure to take the time to stop and focus on where you're at and then outline potential steps to where they would like to go. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Uh, That's what you're hearing. Uh, You know, we have these we have these things in America we don't talk about. We don't talk about religion or politics or sex or money and money might be the most taboo of the topics. And I grew up on all these different kinds of assistance, right? Our family was getting and we, and we needed it. I didn't always think that we needed it. I wasn't always sure how that worked, but we did, we, we needed it. Right. Um, And you heard if you were in that category, the poor category, um, you were told that savings is a good idea. And that was the end of the financial planning advice that you got. You would say how much, when, why is it a habit, you know, 
for what purpose, to what ends, to what means. If you were in the middle class, you were taught that college is good and you should get a good job, right? And that uh, savings, of course, and then you have some investments, retirement investments and insurance are important. But past that, you still don't really talk about it that much. You know, we don't teach our kids about taxes or how to start a business or a lot of things. But the wealthy, the wealthy do something much different than we do. They talk to their kids about building and maintaining relationships, how to buy, manage, and sell assets to make money. Things that make money on their own, not punching into a time clock, not getting a job, how to build and maintain managed assets. And they talk about this stuff almost essentially from day one. You know, they're coloring in a coloring book in the corner of the boardroom while people are talking about this stuff. And they walk them through and they show them all those different things. Now, if the wealthy are doing this and they're having success with it, then why aren't we doing it? What is the, what is the shame associated with personal finance? I had heard, I had heard, and I don't know if this stat is true. Um, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it from. Uh, but of all the multimillionaires, excuse me, of all the millionaires that were new this past year, uh, there's a certain percentage. I can't remember exactly which one, but there's a certain percentage of it. Let's just say 10 for the sake of this story, right? Mm -hmm. Well, only of that 10%, only 1% of the number of people that were there had been there the year before. And if you look at that generationally, that means that 9% for the, for the sake of this particular stat, 9% of the people of the 10% of folks that are in that category mm -hmm. are in that category now for the first time. And, and again, I don't know if that stat where I, can, I heard that stat from, and I obviously screwed the numbers up a little bit, but <laughs> the point is, is there's so much opportunity that exists in this, in today and excuse me, in today's world that you can leverage your time to go pursue the information. You can access people like you. I mean, you you were able to go from moving 36 times over the course of your uh, childhood before you graduated from high school, and you parlayed that experience to fuel you to go and uh, make your future substantially different for your children. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the numbers you're looking for is um, the upper class in this country there's 16% of Americans are in the upper class. Okay. Of that 16, 15 of them are first generation wealthy. That means only 1% is that old money that, oh, we got this from the oil business or this is daddy's business. These are people that are building their business. There's obviously, you know, celebrities and some sports stars and, and what have you. But these are people that are saving and investing properly. These are people that are building a business and expanding their business. And their parents didn't give them anything. They have the power. You have the power to do those things. Well, those things that you, that you talked about um, in terms of the changes they make and the philosophies and the different mindset, and the different frequency that literally somebody can establish for themselves if you could distill it down into doing two things differently, and then we'll wrap with those, we'll wrap with those two and then how people can get in touch with you. What would those two things be? Two things that you can do differently. You have to know, you have to know that there's, there's opportunities out there and that they apply to you. They apply to all of us. And when you, when you understand and know that, 
that that changes everything. You know, growing up uh, in, the, in the manner that I grew up, your 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 view of the world and the possibilities they're they're tiny. And I talk to you know people in foster homes, and I talk to high schools, and I talk to people at college, and I talk to all these people and talk about that perspective and what's available to them. Like you might be listening to the story right now and be like, "Oh yeah, Travis, sure." You could do that, but I can't do that. I don't have that in me. You do. You really do. You know, I didn't, I, I've been helping people with finances for 10 years and uh, taking some master's classes and some things that I'm talking about. People in my master's class were like, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? They had never heard it before. And they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and hearing this stuff for the first time. And I don't have any experience running a business. None of my family has ever been in business. I don't have any anything to pull on from them. But here I am starting the business, getting uh, Warrior's Wallet is the name, getting that out there and getting involved and getting engaged and helping people, you know, taking major steps in their finances. I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. And here I am as a business owner out and helping and using my story and you know, wonderful people like Stephen here having me on the show and, and helping spread this message. And you know, these things apply to you. And the other thing that you can do is that when you have these opportunities, and this is a um, Richard Branson quote, you know, say yes to the opportunity, then figure out how to do it later. Yep. Say yes. 100%. I'm on, I'm on the board of, um, of books by vets with Shannon Whittington, a wonderful gal. And we help uh, veterans, first responders and their families tell their stories for free, get them published, get them on Amazon. If that's you look at books by vets on uh, uh, Facebook, send us a message. We'll get you started. But I'm the outgoing one and Shannon's kind of timid and shy. Right. And you know, we have these conversations as we're starting and getting going. And yeah. she's like, well, how do you do that? We, <laughs> you say, hi, my name's Shannon. That's how you start the conversation. And she's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Are they going to run away from you screaming? I, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just take that first step. It's, it's dang near impossible to take the second step. Yeah. If you never take that first step. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I like that. I like those two, um, those two instances. It's almost like you, uh, you just want to change your environment one. So that environment and the association will, will give you a different perspective. And the second thing is, is, is learn how to say yes. Uh, and, uh, and then figure it out. We, we call that get some wins. We also call that don't be beta. Uh, cause you cannot lay back in the cut and, uh, you can't lead from the back. Uh, even those, even those folks that do, you got to understand everything happens in seasons. It took a will, it was a willingness to go out there uh, and screw up and mess up first before they were asked to, uh, to make sure that nobody else is falling behind. Right. So we, we say that don't be beta as a way to say, Hey, listen, if you're, if you're so far out in front, there may be people behind you that want you to stop and turn around to make sure that you're okay. Right? And there is a time where you got to cut your losses, right? There will come that point. However, right that's not the principle that we're talking about here. We're talking about the principle of just being able to say yes. So you mentioned warrior's wallet and then books for vets. How else can people find you? And then we'll, uh, and then we'll, we'll tell these people to tune into knucklehead podcast next week. Uh, you can go to warriorswallet.com or connect with me, you know, at warriorswallet 
on Twitter. Uh, number one, best, easiest way to get a hold of me is Warriors Wallet on Facebook. And then uh, Books by Vets as well. And I wanted to throw one more thing in there. We talked about the power of saying yes. Okay. There's a lot of people out there that need to understand the power of saying no. That they're doing too much for too many people and they can hardly breathe, but they're not willing to say no. You have to say no. And you're going to wonder, well, am I going to lose all my friends or, or this, that, and the other? I'm like, you can't be everything for all people. And if you say no once and run away, you've just saved yourself. I can't even tell you how much you've saved yourself. <laughs> A lifetime worth of just bending over back for people that don't care about you the way you care about them. Yeah, I like how you, uh, <clears throat> I like how you um, clarified that statement that, yes, you can say yes, but it's a two-way street. Don't get into a habit of saying no, right? Just start with understanding that you control that discretion. And once you've said yes enough, and once you've learned to take that risk, Mm -hmm. you will learn the restraints. You will learn your left and right lateral limits. You will start to learn that your decision-making, you actually have a a pretty good, uh, a pretty good space there between the six inches between your ears. You you can make some good decisions. You also have the ability to bounce questions off of people like Travis. He told you how to get in touch with him. So Travis, I appreciate you taking some time and I think it's a powerful story. I think that your story is, uh, a lot of people can relate to it uh, because they have a set, they have a tendency to, to uh, over uh, dramatize, so to speak, their, their own story. And it's good to get a calibration story like yours in there. One, for a couple of reasons that, that people can still do it and they just need to know that and they need to understand that. So uh, warriorswallet.com and then also books for vets on Facebook. Uh, those are a couple of different ways that you get in touch with Travis. Travis, anything else you want to wrap this up with? Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. You're, you failed. I fell on my face countless times. I know you have too. Yeah. Pick yourself up, dust it off, and get back in the game. I love it. That's exactly right. Well, I appreciate you, you taking the time. Um, for those of you who like listening to Knucklehead Podcast, you can find us essentially all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and, uh, and Twitter. We're on there too. So you can check us out on YouTube if you like watching videos, if you're, if you're into that type of thing. Um, but uh, you, Stephen, at Knucklehead Podcast, you know how to get in touch with me. But every, every week, every Tuesday, we come out with a new episode. Uh, so guys like, uh, guys like Travis have the ability to tell their story, to impact you, you want to go back and curate some of our old material and get back in touch with us and uh, we'll have Travis back on again. He can tell you about how many more people, how many more folks he's helped change. And I hope that your story is on there too. So uh, we appreciate you, Travis. And for everybody else, we will talk to you soon. Have a good rest of the week.